I know that on a Sunday evening, uh, the vast majority of people in this church building are Christians. At some point in our lives, we have made the commitment to follow Jesus. And what that means is that all of us should have had some experience of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that leads us to faith. And when we put our trust in Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit that comes into our life. We all experience these things differently, but we as believers should have experienced something. I wonder how you would describe the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. What has the Holy Spirit done for you? What has the Holy Spirit helped you with? How has the Holy Spirit changed you? We don't have time for you all to answer now, but I hope some of you might share in the Bible study this week. It's always encouraging to hear how God has been at work in people's lives. I thought tonight that I would begin by sharing some of the ways that I have experienced the Holy Spirit. I don't like talking about myself too much in sermons because it always sounds a little bit arrogant. But I couldn't think of a better way to make the topic of tonight's passage relevant to us. The first time that I really experienced the Holy Spirit was the night I came to faith. I'd always been in church. My parents had taken me right from being a baby. But there was one night when I was 15 that I personally decided to follow Jesus. (coughs) I was at a town centre youth event and following some worship music, an evangelist stood up to talk to us. And as he spoke, it felt to me as though God was in the room. It felt as though he was pointing his finger at me. All those Bible stories that I'd known from being a child suddenly came alive and I knew God wanted me to respond. The Holy Spirit led me to the point of confessing my sin for the first time and persuaded me to commit to Jesus with everything I had. And I haven't looked back. A week after my conversion, I had another powerful experience of the Holy Spirit This was a follow-up event for all those that had become Christians the week before. And this time I experienced the Holy Spirit in the form of a prophecy. Uh, A local Youth for Christ leader asked if he could pray for me. And as he was praying, he felt as though God gave him a message to pass on to me. And the message was this. You will go away and study God's word so that you can teach it to other people. Now, I was 15 at the time, and I didn't go to a particularly charismatic church. I'd never experienced prophecy before, and consequently, I thought he was a raving lunatic. And I set about forgetting everything that he said. I knew what I wanted to do when I left school. I wanted to go to university to study medicine. And it wasn't until seven years later as I signed the forms applying to go to Spurgeon's College, that that prophecy came rushing back to me. Here was I preparing to go away and study God's word so I could teach it to other people. It was an incredible realization that God had had this plan for me all my life. And in that moment, I felt reassured that I was doing the right thing. And the third thing I'd like to tell you about is my experience as a minister. People have said to me that they've heard God speak to them through the sermons that I have preached. Now let me say straight away, that isn't down to me. 
In fact, more often than not, it's when I think I've preached a doth sermon that the Holy Spirit does something in someone's life. It's the great privilege for me that the Holy Spirit somehow uses some of the words that I say. It's not because I'm special. Actually, I'm quite shy and anxious most of the time. And there are much better preachers and ministers out there than me. I'm not a super Christian. When God does this, he gets the glory. Now, the only reason that I've shared these things with you is because the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is not just at work in ministers. The Holy Spirit is at work in all believers. And now that you've heard a few examples from my life, I wonder if you can recognize just a few of the moments where the Holy Spirit has been at work in yours. And who knows what the Holy Spirit might be preparing to do through you in the days ahead. That is the exciting part, isn't it? Let's now dig into our passage by reminding ourselves just what is going on in John 16. This is the night before the cross. In a few moments, Jesus is going to be arrested. In a few hours, he will be dead. Jesus has then been telling his disciples that he will soon be leaving them. And of course, on hearing this news, the disciples are deeply concerned. In fact, verse 6 tells us that they were full of grief. And it's not hard to realise why. These disciples have given up everything to follow Jesus. For three years, they've been away from their work and their family. Had those three years been a waste of time? What were they to do now? These disciples also fear arrest themselves. Everyone knows they've been with Jesus. They can't help worrying that if Jesus was going to die, well, they might be next. And the third reason the disciples are worried is because Jesus has just been telling them that once he is gone, he wants them to carry on the work that he's been doing. He wants them to produce fruit. And that's a very daunting prospect. How could they possibly do the things that Jesus did? In their minds, they're guaranteed to fail. And the truth of the matter was, the disciples were so concerned that even though Jesus has addressed all of these insecurities before, we've read about them in the last couple of weeks, he's got to go back to them and do it all again. He has to explain how they're going to manage without him. And in fact, they're going to do just fine. Of course, the disciples are so wrapped up in their loss that they just cannot get their heads around about what is about to happen might be a good thing. But Jesus is going to have another go at explaining it. In a nutshell, our passage this evening is made up of Jesus making another promise to his friends. It is another announcement of the Holy Spirit to go with all the ones we've looked at in the last few weeks. And this time, Jesus focuses on how the Holy Spirit will help the disciples in their mission for him. And in these verses, Jesus says three things. First of all, the Holy Spirit will bring God's presence into every situation they face. This is verse 7. Very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When Jesus goes away, and by that he means once he's died and risen and ascended back to his father, 
He's going to send the Holy Spirit to his friends. And the Holy Spirit is going to come alongside them. The Holy Spirit is going to dwell within them. In other words, the Holy Spirit is going to assure them, moment by moment, that God is with them. God is with them, come what may. Every time the disciples experience the Spirit's presence in the coming months and years, it will be a reminder to them that they are part of God's people. They have been welcomed into his family. They're heading for eternal life. This presence of the Holy Spirit is like a great promise to them. Romans 7 also tells us that the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf from within us, particularly in those moments where we're struggling and don't have words for ourselves. I'd like us to picture someone who is recently bereaved, maybe someone in this photo. In their grief, every day is a real struggle. What that person needs most is a friend to come alongside them and give them a hug. That friend doesn't even need to say anything. They just need to be there. When we are suffering, the presence of a loved one gives us the strength that we need for that moment and the next and the next one after that. And step by step, we're enabled to keep going. Of course, outwardly, nothing has changed. The tragedy is still a tragedy. The person who has died is not coming back. But the personal support of a friend changes our ability to cope. The friend gives us strength. And that is exactly how Jesus is picturing the Holy Spirit in this verse. The presence of the Holy Spirit will come alongside us and be with us in our toughest moments. We can all be aware of the Holy Spirit's presence on different occasions. Sometimes it's when we're singing praise in church. Sometimes it's when we've just got our head bowed in silent prayer and we don't really know what to say, but we're asking for help. Sometimes it's when we're reading the Bible or in fellowship with others. For me, this last week, it was as I was standing on a hill uh, looking at the view. I just sensed that God was there with me in that moment as I was thinking about all that was ahead. The Holy Spirit comes and makes his presence felt and this can bring great comfort to us the second thing that jesus speaks about the holy spirit is doing the work of persuasion the spirit moves to persuade people to follow jesus this is verses 8 to 11 when the advocate comes he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. In these verses, Jesus again refers to the Holy Spirit as an advocate. We've seen this before. Do you remember what an advocate is? An advocate is someone who stands up in a court of law to convince the judge and the jury of the truth of their client's position. The advocate pleads their case. The advocate seeks to persuade. And sometimes to do this, the advocate has to prosecute. Or in other words, the advocate must show how their client's opponent in court is wrong. They have to point out the errors and the falsehood on their side of the case. 
Now, in these verses, Jesus sees the mission field a bit like a courtroom. And his promise here is that the Holy Spirit will work through people like us as we speak to others to persuade listeners of the need for faith. Perhaps we might think of the Holy Spirit working on their consciences. Like my experience on the night of my conversion, the Holy Spirit showed me my sin and the need to confess it. In these verses, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will prove the world to be wrong in terms of sin and righteousness and judgment. Let's take each one of those briefly one by one. First of all, the Holy Spirit will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. We all know that the world around us does not think it is sinful. We probably didn't think we were sinful until we encountered the Holy Spirit. And the majority of people on Isla certainly don't think like this. They think they're basically good people with no need of a saviour. But the world does need a saviour. Because as human beings, we all fall short of the glory of God. That is the holy standard that we have to compare ourselves to and nothing less. We are all sinners. And Jesus says that the Spirit will work to convict people of this. It's a really interesting note from history that in the days of the great revivals, like the Welsh Revival and the Lewis Revival, a sign of the Holy Spirit's power and presence was that many people were cut to the heart. They were worried about their sin. The second thing that the Holy Spirit will do is prove the world to be in the wrong about righteousness. In 24 hours' time, Jesus is going to be put to death by people who thought they were in the right. They were thought they were doing the right thing, getting rid of this blasphemous troublemaker who deserved death. But three days later, when the Father is going to raise Jesus to life again, he is going to fully vindicate his Son. He is going to demonstrate that Jesus was righteous. He was perfect. He was innocent. He was the only human being in history never to have sinned. At the empty tomb, the Father is going to decide in Jesus' favour. And the incredible thing is that now that that has happened... All those who follow Jesus share the same verdict. The Father looks on us with favour too, because our sins have been dealt with and he can see Jesus in us. So what are we getting here? Well, Jesus says that after the Holy Spirit has come and convicted us of our sin, the Holy Spirit will then convict us of the righteousness of Jesus. The Spirit will show us our sin and then show us how it can be dealt with by trusting the Saviour. And finally, in this work of persuasion, the Spirit will prove the world to be wrong in terms of judgment. At his trial, in a few hours' time, the world is going to pass judgment on Jesus. Still today, many people pass judgment on Jesus, and it's not kind. We've all heard it, the mockery and the scorn that Jesus gets treated with by our neighbours. But when the Holy Spirit raises Jesus to life, that judgment is going to be proved false. 
Indeed, when Jesus rises again, that judgment is going to rebound back on his enemies. In this verse, Jesus again talks about the prince of this world, or in other words, Satan. The one who tempts men and women into doing bad things, like passing judgment on Jesus. And what Jesus is saying here is that as disciples like you and me go out into the world and minister for him and witness to what Jesus has done, the Holy Spirit will open people's eyes to see the reality about good and evil. That God and the devil are real, but through Jesus, evil has been defeated forevermore. Now I know all of this sounds quite complicated and actually John's writing here is pretty difficult. It's very dense. There's a lot to take in. And I guess sometimes we can all feel that there's no chance that we're going to be able to explain the gospel adequately. How are we going to say this to our friends and neighbours? But here's the reassurance. It's not down to us. As we go out into the world and do our best to share about Jesus as simply as we can, in the way that we have experienced him and the love that he has for us, the Holy Spirit steps in and does the rest. The Holy Spirit works through our words to persuade the people who are listening to us about their need of Jesus. I say again, I was persuaded by the Holy Spirit through the words of an evangelist. The Spirit persuaded me that God was real and that I was a sinner and that I needed Jesus in my life. The Holy Spirit will have persuaded each one of you who also have made a commitment at some point in your life. So let's be encouraged that the Holy Spirit now wants to do that work through us as we try to speak to our friends and our neighbours. And finally, the third way that the Holy Spirit is going to help us is in the form of prophecy. This is verses 13 to 15. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus finishes by saying that the Holy Spirit is going to come into his friends' lives and lead them into truth. The Spirit will keep reminding them of Jesus' words and all that he's done, even when he's long gone. The Spirit will help them to understand them. The Holy Spirit will explain to us everything we need to know. Interestingly, Jesus also says that the Holy Spirit will prophetically reveal to the disciples what is yet to come as well, so they can be ready for it. Think about the book of Revelation, for instance. That book is in our Bibles because the Holy Spirit came to John and gave him a vision. The same can be said for Paul and Peter's letters. They were given insights by the Spirit as to how Jesus would return and how this current age will end. Now, we're not going to be given anything as important as that because all the revelation we need in that regard is already in our Bibles. It's there. We've got everything we need to know. But the Holy Spirit does still come into our lives and speak truth 
about the future. Paul says that one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the gift of prophecy. And as I shared at the beginning, I have personally experienced this to be the case and for that prophecy to come absolutely true. Maybe you have experienced something similar in your life when someone has shared a word with you. Of course, when we do receive a prophecy of some form, we do always have to weigh it up. We have to be careful that it is from God and not from ourselves, that it's not just our wishful imagination telling us what we want to hear. But in those final verses, Jesus gives us the acid test to test a prophecy. If the Holy Spirit speaks into our lives, it will always lead us to glorify Jesus. It will always lead us to do more of the work of Jesus. Because it is Jesus who gave the Spirit that prophecy to pass on. Prophecy is never just for our benefit, like some spiritual entertainment. Prophecy is for the benefit of God's mission in the world. So there we have it. The disciples are still terrified because Jesus has announced he is going away. And that departure is now imminent. But Jesus has told them yet again not to fear. He is going to give them the Holy Spirit. And in the Holy Spirit they will have everything they need to keep serving him in the world. And I hope that we can begin to experience the Holy Spirit in the same way. That each one of us here might know something of his presence to reassure us in difficult moments. That we will know the power of the Holy Spirit persuading some of those people who we witness to. And maybe that there might even be the odd moment of prophecy where the Holy Spirit shows us the course ahead or gives us an insight into what God wants for us in our lives so we can make good decisions about the future. I really believe that the Holy Spirit still does these things. And I really want to encourage us to be open to the Holy Spirit's work. In the Bible, there is a simple pattern for this. We confess our sin. We call on Jesus. And we invite more of the Holy Spirit into our life. So let's do that in prayer now.